Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast, where entrepreneurs come to learn how to live their truth, get rich, and make a massive difference in the world. I'm your host, Adam Force, co-founder at Change Creator and co-creator of the Captivate Method. Each week, we talk to experts about leadership, digital marketing, and sales strategies that you can implement in your business and life to go big. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to grab awesome resources that will help drive your business forward. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. Sorry for the delay getting this episode out. We're usually out on Wednesday mornings. We had a serious studio crash with our computers as we tried to update to a new operating system. (laughs) And we ended up having to erase our uh, hard drives and start all over from scratch again. So we are back in action here uh, and ready to rock and roll with a great interview today with uh, our buddy Parker Stevenson. Um, He is one of the co-owners of a company called Evolved Finance. Uh, Evolved Finance is a great, great company that is uh, designed strategically to help you with your bookkeeping as an entrepreneur, coaches, uh, course creators, whatever it might be, service companies. Um, And they help you really understand your numbers, make better decisions, and see where you might be overspending, underspending, where money's left on the table, and how to really start for forecasting for the future so you can increase your revenues in a very smart way. And it's such an important part of running our businesses. So we are excited to have Parker on uh, today and we're going to dive into all kinds of good stuff um, regarding your financial management. If you missed the last episode, uh, I highly recommend you go back and check it out. It is an episode with Amy and myself uh, here at Change Creator talking about why so many entrepreneurs start on a high but crash later on down the road. Lots of good insights from our experience in there. Uh, It's a good one to dive into, guys. So check that out when you get a chance. Don't forget to stop by changecreator.com. Lots of good stuff going on there with updates and content and goodies. Um, And at the same time, follow us on Facebook. That is our primary spot, guys. we share all kinds of stuff there and on uh, in our Facebook group. If you want to get inside the Facebook group, um, be a change creator. That is the Facebook group. All right. I'm not going to hold this up anymore. Let's dive into this conversation with Parker. Okay. Show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Parker, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. Um, so for people that don't know, and I don't think any of you do, <laughs> <laughs> Parker and I met um, actually right before the coronavirus in California um, at a, I guess I call it a, a mastermind summit of some kind, right? This was for a program that um, I was actually invested in and he was doing a presentation out there to support uh, uh, entrepreneurs like us in the finance uh, category. And basically they're masters of your books and they help you optimize, grow your business, do all this great stuff. So I wanted to bring Parker on here because he's just uh, a really um, valuable expert in this space. So he's going to help you understand what you need to know about your finances, especially in the early days of your startup. So Parker, if you could just kind of give people a little bit of insight um, on your background so they know where you're coming from and that kind of in a nutshell, really. 
Yeah. So um, again, my name is Parker Stevenson. I am the co-owner and chief business officer for a bookkeeping firm called Evolve Finance. We really specialize in, in doing bookkeeping for online businesses. So a lot of, you know, all of our clients are selling coaching programs and courses and membership sites and online services and influencer business models, just pretty much anyone not selling physical inventory. That's been our, our, our primary target audience. And I will admit for me, I never thought I would be co-owner of a bookkeeping business. It just was not the path I thought I'd be on, but I was, I, I kind of grew up feeling like I was a, you know, a creative. I identified as a creative. And when I went to college, um, I started a band. I was a musician for a number of years in Los Angeles, had a great time. Um, and when the band broke up, decided, Hey, what else do I like to do? I was like, I really like golf. I'm going to move back down to San Diego from Los Angeles and go work for one of the big golf manufacturers. So I ended up getting a job at Adidas Golf and I worked there for another five years. Um, while I was in the band, I worked for an automotive consultant, which was kind of like a small online business really at the time. It was a website database yeah. that all the big manufacturers subscribed to. So I kind of had a little taste of entrepreneurship, being in a band and working for a small business, make the move to Adidas, which was a tremendous experience. I kind of look at it as my MBA because I just learned so much, had some great mentors there but also kind of realize I don't think I want to be a little cog in a big machine. And so I was talking with my business partner, now business partner, Corey, who's really friend, him and his wife are best friends with my wife. And I was like, I think I can help you guys grow this business. And so took the leap of faith, taught me how to do bookkeeping, taught me about the financial side of online businesses. And I share all this because now I feel like I'm kind of an expert on finance for small business. And I thought I was a creative. I thought I was going to be a rock star. And so I like to use that as a story just to show people that, you know, we have so many clients that don't start businesses because they're like, oh, I can't wait to dive into spreadsheets and talk about taxes. You know, where we get into our businesses because we want to make an impact. We want to um, make a good living, right? Like all the reasons, but we get afraid that, oh, this finance stuff, I don't get it. It seems too complicated. I don't have to deal with it. And I'm a perfect example of someone who very easily could have been that person that would just have avoided numbers. But once I got exposure through, um, to it with my time at Adidas and, and obviously growing this business out of all finance, I think we just all make it so much more complicated than we need to. And that's a big part of what we're trying to do at Evolve Finance. It's just demystify this stuff and make it less intimidating and really turn your numbers into an asset that helps your business grow. Yeah. So important. So a lot of good background there. Thanks, Parker. Um, and you know what I, one of the things we love and, and just so you guys know, we do work with Evolve Finance here at Change Creator and um, you know, we love just the insights we get because we were, I don't know, nonchalantly <laughs> keeping an eye on our numbers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we never really saw the overhead so clearly, right? Just how much money you're really spending on all the reoccurring subscriptions and tech and software and all those things. And then where I like, you know, really how we can start seeing where a certain percentage of our money is being spent. So it's like, oh, well, you got 80% of your expenses are on, you know, ads or on, you know, um, VAs, right? And so it really starts giving you direction. And what they do is they give you insight to these things to read between the lines so you can make better decisions. Um, so Parker, just, you know, coming from your perspective of a, of a service company and supporting so many different entrepreneurs who coaches, you know, uh, online course creators and stuff. What are some of the things that 
based on your experience now working with so many that you feel that some of the newer entrepreneurs, let's say first five years of business, even first three, like when do you really need to get serious about looking at your numbers? Like when is that time? I mean, honestly, with where I'm at now, I wouldn't even start a business business before I do the math and I do the numbers and figure out what is this business going to look like financially? I know that's not necessarily everyone's instinct. They go, okay, what's my offer? How am I going to market it? Where are my customers? For sure. And you need to figure all that out. But I think as business owners, and especially I'd say people who are very visionary based and very marketing and sales based, just because you can sell somebody something doesn't mean that it's a business model. A business model that functions has profit. And the only way to know that is to figure out like, what's the math behind this business? And so I think for most online businesses, it's not a matter of if the business model is going to work. You know, it's, it's a proven model. And I think for most of us, we understand that, you know, we'll be able to make a living from this business. But I think the sooner you can start thinking about your business from a financial standpoint, even if it's like, okay, I'm getting my business started. I have $4,000 a month in expenses and I know what those things are. I need to hold myself accountable and make sure I'm at least breaking even and making four grand a month on average. Or maybe I need to figure out, okay, I want to make eight to 10 grand, cover my 4,000 expenses and start to make a profit so I can use that to invest back into the business, start to pay myself. And so I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, we just go, I'll just see how much money I can make and I'll just spend whatever money I need. And it's very much based in feelings. It's based in emotions. It's based on instinct. And we need all those things as good business owners, but we also need to have some sort of data. We have to have some sort of feedback. We need something that's going to make the business tangible. So it's not just this like nebulous things that you just look in your bank account and go, we have money. I guess we're doing okay. Like for me, I want to know from every step of the way, even if I'm just tracking my income and expenses in a spring, spreadsheet for my first couple of years, but I want to know what is actually happening with the money coming in and coming out of this business. So I can start to get feedback on, do I need to change my pricing? Do I need to be ready to make a big investment? Um, Do I need to figure out how to replace my income so I can quit my job or whatever it may be? So I think the, the sooner we can start thinking about the financial side of our businesses, just I think the more we're going to set ourselves up, not to just be successful salespeople and marketers, but to be successful CEOs and and, and business owners. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love that you talk about emotion because that's, that is what it is. It's like, you don't take it as seriously in the earlier years because you're like, I'm trying this thing. Let's see if it works. I'm not going to invest too much in, you know, book management and all that kind of stuff. And I, I have now learned that if I was starting a business, you're right. Know the numbers, but also know what are the benchmarks and triggers to look for? Because how do you know if you're okay or not? And I would say that, you guys probably could have saved me about $80,000 <laughs> in the first two years of change creator, because, you know, we were running the digital magazine, which I love and it's our app. Right. But imagine you're coming out of the gates, you have no proven revenue stream yet. You're taking on the overhead of 
writers, design, magazine, like, you know, creation and all this stuff. It was just, I kept going, um, investing saying, Oh, when I get Ariana Huffington, this is going to blow up. Okay. Wait, wait, when I get Tony Robbins, we're going to blow up. And the marketing margin was so small because the magazine sale is only, you know, it's like a 15 to $50 subscription, right? Yeah. And so you guys would have been like, Adam, hello, red flag over here and kind of put a stop to that. And that guys, that's what is so important. So you can jump on calls here when you have the right mentors and support and who are experts in these spaces and they'll help identify these red flags, right? Because they can, I literally, when I say you could have saved me $80,000, I'm dead serious when I say that because we spent that kind of money. And at some point we had to look at the magazine, even if we were getting a thousand new subscribers a week, that took so much marketing power that we weren't profitable. So it was just kind of like, okay, what do we do with this? Right. And that was a, that was a tough road. And that's part of like doing the right things at the right time. I think that if I did it over again, I would reorder our priorities uh, and products that we put out the door. And that's where I think the power of numbers come comes in. And I, and I feel like this has just been coming up the last couple uh, days for me doing podcasts and workshops and stuff like that is priorities. Like the word you just use there yep. is like, if there is a word that defines entrepreneurship, it's, do you know how to prioritize? And it's a skill. I think you learn over time. You have to have experience in order to start to understand how to prioritize, or you need to have a mentor or someone who can help you see what the priorities should be in your yeah. business. But our numbers tend to show us what we need to prioritize. Because if you look at your numbers and you're like, wow, we're killing it with this offer, but we have seven other offers we're trying to sell. Why are we even trying to sell the other offers? The numbers yeah. are showing us this is our winner. Let's double down here. Or you're like, oh, it, it's showing us that because we have all these offers, our our labor expenses are through the roof. If we don't change the way we deliver on our offer because our team expenses are so high, this business isn't going to work. We need to reprioritize how we deliver our offer and, and how we serve our customers, right? So the numbers are, are the feedback we need, right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. the, the scorecard or the report card that shows, hey, good job here, or hey, pay attention to this cuz this might not this might mean the business isn't going to work unless we we make some adjustments here yeah. and i don't think it's reasonable to have the expectation that a, a business owner should just by feel know when things are working or not working <laughs> yeah. like we need feedback whether it's from our customers giving us feedback our team members our numbers our marketing metrics right like smart business owners get the information they need so that when they're making business decisions they're doing it with uh, empowered with information and not just instinct and, and feelings. Yeah. I think that's so important. And, you know, what, you know, the other thing that happens, like when you look at numbers, like you can sit there and estimate and you also can be just way off in your expectations. Mm -hmm. For example, you could be like, Hey, so my audience for this market is, 10 million people. I got a huge market. If I, all I have to do is get 1% of those people. <laughs> this is oh. what I hear all the time. I'm like, dude, you're like, you're not getting 1%. <laughs> I've heard that so many times myself. Right? I relate to that so much. Yes. Yes. We hear it. This is 
One of the most common things I hear from a new entrepreneur, I know the marketplace size and I'm going to get, all I got to do is get, even if I get half a percent, it just doesn't really play out that way. Not that you can't get 1%, but when you're starting a revenue stream, um, there's so many other factors to actually making that possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can deceive yourself and you need someone to be like, Hey, let's, let's think about this a little differently. And And I think you're right. Like, Looking at the numbers first does help you to prioritize your efforts because if I ever did anything again, which I probably will do, I already have talking about another business with somebody. It's like we need to be profitable, like right out of the gate with a revenue stream. Like I'm not even playing around with, well, we'll create a year of content and hopefully yeah. like, no, no, no. <laughs> Well, and, and to be fair, there are certain business models. If you're going to start a restaurant, you got to put money up front. There's no yeah. like, it, it, you can't really like bootstrap a, a restaurant or a business model no, like this no. um, or a retail store or something like that because you need to buy the inventory. You need to rent out the space. You need to hire the team before you ever have a customer walk through the door, yeah. which is just really risky. But that's how most businesses have been for the last, I don't know thousand years or however long businesses have been around for it's usually you're putting money up front to get your storefront to get your team um but in the online space the internet's changed the way we we run businesses so much that you don't have to put so much money up front you have to put a little bit right because you need that software um you might need you know someone to design the website you know it's a one-time project or something like that but really the upfront costs are so low that you're right you can be profitable really quickly if we balance some strategy with hustle yeah right you come up with yeah exactly and it's a it's a game changer, obviously, the online stuff. And I think, you know, let me know if you agree, but I think that there is such thing as healthy debt as well, right? So in the sense of how we use debt in order to grow a business. So if you're taking on a loan or taking on um, some kind of funding, um, that the risk is really in yourself in the sense of, are you making an educated decision and do you know what you're doing? Right. So do you agree that there's healthy debt? There can be. And I know, and I think it depends on your outlook on entrepreneurship. Like for me, I am, I've taken many calculated risks throughout my life, even partnering up with Corey at Evolve Finance. I left a cushy job at Adidas and took a massive pay cut. So I was willing to sacrifice income, but if you had said, Hey, let's start, a haircut shop and let's take out a loan of $75,000 for me, I'd be like, okay, I know that's what you have to do to start this, but I don't know if that's the kind of risk I want to take on. But we have, we've, you know, what we have one client in particular I'm thinking about where they're very much comfortable operating with debt, but it just can be a double edged double-edged sword. So it's, it's not for the faint of heart, but if you really are, are experienced, yeah. um, debt yeah. can, I mean, especially as you get into lo- higher levels of entrepreneurship, um, that becomes a big part of the deal, even in corporate America. I mean, corporations manage 
debt big time, even if they're sitting on buttloads of cash. Absolutely. So it, it can be a, it can be a big factor, but for small businesses, the less you have to deal with, just the less risk you have. And if you're in a business model where you can turn a profit sooner, then if you can limit the amount of debt you have to take on, why wouldn't you do that if you don't have to? But right. like, but you, but it can definitely be. I mean, that can definitely be a tool to get you places that either would take forever to get to without it, or it yeah. literally just wouldn't happen without somebody funding. Right. And your business should become more of what people will define as a passive income model should start generating income like a a machine. So if you take that debt to make that happen and then you have the income coming in, um, that's that's valuable. And isn't there some kind of tax benefit like earned income is taxed, but debt when you're using debt, is that, isn't that like not taxable or something? Yeah. I mean, debt, so, cause I'm not an accountant. I, I don't want to quote. Yeah, anything yeah, on, yeah. But yeah. But the debt shows up on the balance sheet and, and can affect how your taxes overall, your debt to revenue ratio yes. can affect your, your tax situation. But I mean, with our clients, so few of our clients are taking out loans. They might have like about, ba- you know, some balances on their credit cards from like investing last year and now their businesses are blowing up this year and they're starting to pay down credit card debt. But yeah. in the online space, very few of our clients have enough like loan, like really classic loans or lines of credit <laughs> yeah, to yeah. where it's a super common thing from our perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you would see it more in like real estate businesses yes. and stuff like that, where they're, you know, this is why guys like, you know, Donald Trump and all those guys have like millions and millions of dollars of debt they're doing that on purpose. <laughs> you know, it's like they're playing a game with taxes and all that kind of stuff. So, sometimes. But, yes. Yeah, sometimes. They sometimes. Tend to. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Anyway, I don't know why I brought him up. It just came in. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> but, but there is, but there is this like higher level. And I think again, it all comes down to what's your, what's your experience level. Um, what kind of business model do you want to have? Yeah. Cause yeah. again, if I, if I want to start a software company, I either have to get investors or I have to get a loan because yep. I yep. have to pay someone to develop this. There's and if you believe in it enough and you have some experience, but that's where um, love them or hate them. I think Gary V, what he really nails is yeah. self-awareness. And like, are you self-aware enough to understand what it really takes to start a business where you need to get a ton of funding because a lot yeah. of those businesses fail versus our clients are self-funded or have very little expenses. And it's just a matter of getting those clients coming in because their overhead is so low right off the bat that managing that risk and your oppor- and just the chances of success increase so dramatically from that standpoint because yeah. the window you have to try to pay back that loan is going to put tremendous pressure uh, and, and give you a lot less room for, for error yeah. when you're starting a software at company in a super competitive market. And it's like, all right, see if you can do it. An, uh, an app better than the 35 other apps trying to do the same thing as yours. <laughs> and obviously there's, there's um, success stories that come from that, but that's where, again, I think these online course businesses and coaching businesses and influencer businesses and stuff like that. And, and online service-based businesses, it's just, if you don't feel like you're the next Elon Musk, well, then that's fine. <laughs> I think, I think the vast majority of people can have sex success with an online business and really thrive and replace their incomes from their job and make even more money than they would ever make from yeah. whatever job they had before that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think since you brought up Gary V, something else that always stuck in my brain, he was on stage once and he's like, listen, if you work hard, um, you have the willpower, you know, like you said, be self-aware, be realistic. He's like, 
in 10 years, you might have a nice little business. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, he's like, cause so many, he's like, if one more, you know, 20 something comes up to me and says, I'm going to be a millionaire in the next 12 months or before I'm 30. He's like, I just want to yep. punch him in the face. Cause like, <laughs> they're just thinking about it all wrong. You know, like, and you know, I mean, everyone has their own perspective, right? I don't know that there's any real right or wrong, but he does give that reality check. Like these things take time, be patient, do something you care about, um, you know, stuff like that. And uh, the wrong motivations can lead to an unsustainable uh, business, right? And totally. So, so, okay. So we're, we're talking about, you know, managing the books and stuff. Um, I'm just curious too, are there any, anything that you've seen um, with your clients that make them have better profit margins? Like I'm curious about types of business because, you know, we've done things like if I'm running a service business and I only have like two people on the team or you're doing it yourself, say you just started and you're you're coaching or doing something, your overhead could be super low. So you can get two clients a month and make $5,000 a month. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's courses, we're growing staff, like of coaches and all these things. And so I'm just curious if you've noticed any trends in the size of a company and like, you know, types of companies that really have good profit margins. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so what we typically like to see for our clients who are doing like less than half a million is the yeah. margins are usually pretty high uh, for online businesses. Cause like you said, um, if you're selling a course, there's no, there's no inventory, there's no cost to build a course. I mean, they're kind of indirectly, but it's not like a shoe. Like when I was at Adidas, I was slinging golf shoes. There's <laughs> a very tangible cost to building the shoe that then we have to price the shoe to cover the cost and make our profit. So like with courses and coaching and online services, um, when you don't have these direct like, um, uh, materials costs and, and manufacturing costs, you're absolutely right. If we can just get in front of the right people, uh, and the right audiences, and we can make sales, you can make money and generate revenue without having to spend a lot of money on marketing. Yeah. What we saw in the past was that I'd say when I got into this industry six years ago, it was a lot of joint webinars. It was a lot of blogging uh, to build your email list to, you know, to build an audience to sell your offer to. And there's still some of that, you know, around today. Um, but building up your audience, whether you're doing it through Instagram or you're doing it through SEO or you're doing it through podcasting or whatever you do, um, the more it can be kind of quote unquote free. I mean, there's obviously a, a cost of time and stuff like that. But yep. in the early stages of your business, as much as you can build an organic audience without having to jump into ads right off the bat, that tends to be an advantage. And our clients that build on that is definitely a cost advantage, but the, it's getting more competitive in the online space. So we're seeing more of our clients investing in ads early on and it could grow their revenue a lot faster, but really locking in your return on investment from your ads is where whether or not you're profitable can be tough. And so that's where um, our clients who are able to blend some of the advertising um expenses mixed in with some of their organic traffic or mixed in with making sure they're still consistently really promoting and, and communicating and cultivating a relationship with their email list that they're paying for through ads to maximize that return. That's when we start to see profitability really get a lot better, but obviously advertising can scale your business to a level that maybe is going to take a lot longer to do organically. So it's always going to be this kind of like 
give and take, unless you got really lucky with building an audience organically really fast, which sometimes yes. it's like something going viral, a YouTube video going viral or something along those lines, which is not something we want to bank on. <laughs> no. Then I think ultimately, what can we do in the initial stages of our business through hustle, through networking, um, through organic marketing means. And when we have that cash flow available and we're generating revenue more consistently, then I think that's when experimenting with ads and giving yeah. up a little bit of profit there starts to make sense because your total profit dollars will increase pretty dramatically if we can nail the, the advertising game. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, for people that get overwhelmed, like, oh, I got to spend years building an organic audience. I, I would almost say that, yes, like you got to start connecting with people. They got to know you exist. Right. Um, but if you could validate your product you know that you could sell it to this audience um you could probably start testing out some of that ad spend as long as because what i what i think is really tough for people is you start running ads but you really have no idea if anyone really is buying your product you just think yeah. that's how i get in front of people and then you're doing all your trial and error through paid advertising versus the organic. That totally. organic is a great stomping ground for testing and validating. Well, and there, yeah, there's that experience you get from, from the organic traffic and people kind of finding you and um, just getting into your right network, your right yeah. target audience, that if you are killing it with launches and, and, and promotions to an organic audience that, and they really like your offer, then that speak, that becomes like a situation where it's like, you know, how do we mitigate risk with, with our investments? Yeah. What's safer investing in an unproven product and putting ads into something you're not even sure if people want yet <laughs> right. or doing it organically, people loving it and raving about it and then putting the ads spend into it. Of course you want something that's tested. And what's interesting, Adam, is we we've had clients who have had multi six figure email lists, like 200, 300,000 people who struggle to make as much money as someone with a 10,000 person email list. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where it, it, it's not about the size of your audience. It's about connecting your offer with the right people and being clear with your messaging to the right people that you can build momentum off of two, three, four, 5,000 person email lists. And as long as we're clear about what we do, who our target audience is and the problem we're solving for them, the numbers just we see it all the time. The more focused our clients are on being really targeted with their niche, their revenue grows more quickly and their profit tends to stay healthier along the way. Yeah. What a great point because people get really hung up on, you know, the size of the email list, the size of the social media following. And I think there's value in both of those things, but the value diminishes if you don't have relationships, like you haven't earned their trust and you don't have the offer that really resonates with them. So you haven't built an audience that's actually around this idea um, of that need, right? That they have. And, and we've done that too. Like we had to purge our lists in the past where we would take them from 20,000 to 10,000. We'd cut it, the list in half, put half of them in a parking lot and say, well, we'll get some creative ideas to try to re-engage those people, right? And then you take the people that you do have and you know, you see how you, you continue to work with them, but it's like, that happens. And you know what I think I see a lot uh, is people are putting a lot of time and effort into all these lead magnets, these freebies, and they don't 
do things that are cohesive with their offer enough. And so mm-hmm. they're bringing in people just to try to get the email number up. So they'll do anything that's like, oh, let's run a contest. And you get all these contest people, which they never become buyers of your offer. Exactly. <laughs> right? We did that. We've done that stuff. Like, oh, we just added 5,000 people in one day. Okay, great. No one ever buys anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quality leads over the quantity of leads. And that's where I think working back into the numbers, if you're not thinking about your business from a number standpoint, if you're like, okay, I just want to try to cross the six-figure mark, yeah. the offer is 1,000 bucks. It's 100 people. Divide 100 people by 12. That's less than 10 people per month. It's roughly 8.3 people per month you have to sell. All of a sudden you're chunking this down into very digestible bite-sized pieces and you're like, oh, okay. If that's the first step, that's fine. You don't have to get 1% of the market share (laughs) of your total audience in that first year. Let's start with how do we get half of it half of that. How do we get four, four customers our first month and how do we work towards that eight? Because then it's just like, that becomes a very doable number. And what I learned when I was in the, in the corporate world with Adidas, I worked very closely with just world-class sales professionals, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone from our sales reps who are working with our really big key accounts, like Dick Sporting Goods, all the way to the client, the the sales reps who were managing Greengrass accounts like Pebble Beach, Um, you know, really, really white glove clients that we treat really well. And what I learned from that was that each year, their target went up a little more. Whatever territory you had as a sales rep, you don't get to just sell the same amount you did last year. But what the sales managers were so good at was they would sit down with each rep in their territory and go, all right, we need to see 10% growth over last year. What's our game plan there? Well, that means maybe we need to sell in an extra $300 per account um, of, of apparel or footwear, or we have this one big client that we think we can get more space in the shop. And they start to work backwards from what that number is. Yeah. And that's where, again, when we can start to make things more digestible and we're not just going, oh, I want to be a million dollar business. Let's just sell as much crap as we can and start to be more strategic around how we're chunking off the growth of this business and prioritizing what we need to work on. Then it just starts to become this natural progression that, you know, it doesn't feel like you're constantly disappointed. You're not a million dollar business yet. You go, oh, wow, we hit our target this month. That fires you up to make, excuse me, to hit the target again next month. And then the month after that. So then as like, I think about my six year journey and my business partner's 10 year journey with Evolve Finance, you know, I think about where we're at now and I'm just like, wow, we've come such a long way, but it wasn't like every year I was there, I was disappointed in our performance. We were always growing a little bit, learning a little more, making more progress, hitting the numbers and the targets we were setting ourselves from a financial standpoint, mapping out the business model to make sure we could pay our team well, while also making sure that um, the business was staying profitable and doing all that work and seeing it all come together now, it's like, it's just so crazy, but it's this gradual thing. Nothing just happened like overnight. We've had years where we grow a lot. We've had years where we grow incrementally, but that's where that journey is so important and set setting these goals for ourselves, these financial goals for ourselves steadily. So we're not setting ourselves up for maybe expectations that just aren't going to be realistic to achieve. Exactly. I think that's good advice. So, you know, anybody listening, Parker, you know, I think what you're saying is, you can have big aspirations, but you have to actually map out what it will take to get there. And if you want to be a million dollar company, the first year might be $50,000, right? Mm -hmm. So it's how do I get to that point? And what does that look like from the number of sales I need per month? And I, I think it's critical that you make it digestible like steps. Um, And that makes all the difference in the world. So you're not 
you don't feel forced to do um, things that I guess get um, kind of out of sync with what you're doing. You're just, you get into a, a flustered mindset where it's like, you're going to try to create 10 different products. You're going to be all over the place and it gets really stressful. Um, you know, so having a plan to back, I like the reverse engineering concept of like backing into, all right, you're, this quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, what do they look like to get where I want to go? Right. So really breaking that down and understanding the numbers. If you don't know what it takes and what the, that looks like, I think, you know, it's like the guy you mentioned, you know, here's your sales manager. He sits down and he's like, well, what would this look like? How do we do that? Well, maybe it's $300 more per account, or it could look like something else. It could be a new client that we add on. Right. So you kind of figure out what the options are and what it looks like. Yeah. What, what are their opportunities? What opportunities yeah. are in front of us that we haven't jumped on yet? Exactly. And, and so when the one thing that um, a little story here, just as a lesson I learned, I was very fortunate with my time at Adidas to get to work on some projects with the executive team. And, and I had no business, really, I had no business working <laughs> with the executive team on anything, but I was a go-getter and had lots of ideas. And um, I, I, I came up with this idea that um, the company, like uh, the company was really pumped about the Adidas golf tailor-made section. The golf section was really uh, excited about, and they kind of, we kind of did this contest in the company to try to pull up new ideas and, and, and innovate. And so the idea was a little bit of a bigger idea, but it was, there was a lot of potential there. And so it was an idea that was going to be like a $10 million investment for the company. It was going to be massive. And I remember one of my mentors was like, well, what if we like broke this down to where like we did a test of concept and it was only a hundred thousand or 500,000. Now we might be able to get the executive, one of the executives to jump on this and start to test it out. We'll find the money. And it was, but it's being young and uh, a little inexperienced. I was like, this is Adidas. What's $10 million. But it's just, again, <laughs> if I, if I was a little more mature and could have like walked through the steps to get to the bigger idea, yep. Um, yep. It, it would have maybe had more opportunity to, to be successful. And I think we can kind of do the same thing within our, our own businesses is just really like, Again, setting financial targets for ourselves, these financial forecasts that are achievable, but a little bit out of our or like our comfort zones. Yeah. And that's usually yeah. the sweet spot. If you feel like that sounds doable, but it also sounds uncomfortable getting there, then you're usually setting pretty good targets for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that makes sense. And, you know, I heard recently like Elon Musk is like, oh, you should have your 10 year goal. Try to do that in six months. And if you don't hit it, see how far you get. <laughs> You'll get a lot. Yep. I'm like, uh, I guess that's, that's the Elon Musk perspective. He's a very unique person. <laughs> yeah. And you're talking about risk factors, right? You're talking about risk, um, yeah. aversion. Uh, again, there's some entrepreneurs who are going to like, they, mortgage their homes, they or refinance their homes. Oh, they get yeah. money from family. They just do everything. They max out credit cards. Anything. And more power to you. If you're comfortable doing that, great. But most people aren't comfortable no. with doing that. So it doesn't have, you don't, it doesn't have to be one extreme or nothing, right? Yeah, That's it's where, not again, necessarily smart either. Like I, I think, cause think about it this way too. You have the big goal. We set the steps, right? To get there. We know our numbers now we're working with Evolve Finance. So we're got, we got our, they got our backs, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and so let's say you're like, I got to get two clients a month for the first two quarters. All right. That gets me my jump start. Just like you said, the 500,000 was a jump start to the 10 million. So, but maybe in month two, you get four clients and you're like, oh, I was able to actually get four. 
I can maybe accelerate my plan. I could sit down and you should be looking at your numbers every two weeks or four weeks, right? Anyway, and know what's going on. And maybe you can adjust and you can get there faster. So you can always pivot along the way. So make a, I like what you said. You kind of like set a goal that pushes you in the right direction and it's a little uncomfortable, but achievable. It's not like some crazy idea that, you know, you already in the back of your mind are unconsciously sabotaging yourself. Like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Right. Yeah. You got to believe in the back of your mind that, yeah, I can do this. Like I can do this. You can't just like, like fool yourself. You know what I mean? So I think that makes a big difference. Totally makes a big difference. And I, I, I think when you have these big jumps in success or something really clicks. Yeah. Great. Let's now let's, up level the way we're running the business and start exactly. to make investments, right? Like, especially if you have a business that's already generating revenue, it's already established, you have something um, that that's functioning. Um, it, it's all about pivoting as business owners, being ready to adjust. I mean, and that's the benefit of being a small business is you can, you know, you can move on a dime if you need to yes. versus big corporations. It's like moving a giant, you know, um, ship. cruise ship, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where it takes, it takes, it could take you an hour to turn this thing around in the other direction. Yeah. So that that's the benefit we have, but it's always, how can we balance like our flexibility and our ability to adjust to the moment with intention and strategy. And, yeah. and again, that's, that's why, again, it all the inexperienced, I think entrepreneur tries to do that all from feel and all from just a sales and marketing perspective. And we need to have the full picture of the business to be strategic. And that means not ex- ignoring the financial side of the business yeah. as well. It's, it's just so important. I know a lot of people, like I, I literally, people in the social entrepreneurship space, and we'll wrap up here in a minute. Um, they'll say, well, I don't care about money. I'm just here to help people and all that stuff. I'm like, you know, like I hear that. And I'm like, I get like this, I I get where you're coming from with that mentality. Like they think money is like the root of all evil kind of concept. We've all heard that before. Of course. Um, And you're going to have a really hard time being successful as a business owner. If you, if you think that way, (laughs) right. That's like start a charity. Do if you, if you're really about helping people start a charity and then get a job doing something else to make your money. But most people who say that that's not really what they want. Mm -mm. And when, and when I hear people say that my answer to that is, yeah, there's nothing inherently wrong with making money from what you do and what you're good at. And the reality is if you're not charging enough for what you do, then you're only going to be able to help a small amount of people. And the beautiful, the beautiful part about a a business is if you are a smart business owner, you can start to hire the team. You can start to market more to where you can make an impact on even more people's lives by focusing on making or not focusing by at least giving the attention that your business needs on the financial side. Because if the finances aren't working, you're not going to be able to do this for very long because you're not going to make enough money (laughs) and you're not going to be able to help that many people Can't help anybody because you're you're gonna have to go get a job yep. and so that's where i think it's just these mindset things where mindset. Uh, we, we find ways to try to get in to make excuses and get in front you know get in the way of our own success yep. and, and needing to look at maybe the parts of ourselves that um 
we feel like I'm not as good at this, or this is something I'm scared yeah, to have to yeah. dive into and learn, uh, instead of, you know, instead of going like, okay, how can I help more people and make money along the way? It's like, I'm just going to sabotage myself and, and come up with an excuse that says money's bad. And I don't That's want it. to make money. Right. And, so and, that you could have your cake and eat it too. I think in that. <laughs> well, and they learn that as time goes by and they're struggling and they're not making money and they realize, you know, they have these blocks, but I remember, um, a friend of mine, I was talking to on the phone with Rachel Miller. I don't know if you know her. Yeah. Um, so I, I connected with her a few times. We were talking and she is just such a ball of energy. I love that woman. She's great. She's unreal. She's yeah. so positive and just like full of life. Well, she said something to me that really stood out and she was like, well, if you love your customers, if you love your audience, then you have to sell to them because that's how we transform their lives. That totally. is so true. And I, I, so when people say things like money's the root of all evil and, and selling is dirty and all that kind of stuff, that's what I remind them of. I'm like, if you love your customers, then you're going to sell to them. I had someone today who was like, oh, I don't want to go on Facebook and I don't want to, I don't like doing social media and all that stuff. And I was like, well, do you want to sell your product? Do you love your business? Do you believe in your product? I'm like, then you should be so pumped that in this day and age, we have all these social media platforms where you can go and tell everybody about it because it's so amazing. Don't you want to go tell everybody? She's like, oh, <laughs> you know, you don't think about it. I'm like, you got to change the way you're thinking about this, right? I, anyway. and, I, and I've said the same thing and I feel the same way about our business. I never thought, I mean, I do all the sales calls for Evolve Finance yep. and, I, and I do all the promotion. I could talk about this stuff all day because I see the difference we make in our clients' yeah. lives and their businesses. Why wouldn't I want to do more of that for more people? That's it. That's it, man. And I, you know, I love what Russell Brunson said. He's like, guys, you can have the best offer, the best product, all that stuff. He goes, but if you don't love the marketing, if that's not something you just love doing, you're going to struggle. He's like, you yeah. got to love selling your product because you believe in the product. And I was like, it's just like, yeah, people just got to get their minds right. And that's a big part of entrepreneurship. Cause if you go from employee world to entrepreneur world, totally different frame of mind and how you are creating assets and cash um, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, um, it's, it was a real whirlwind for me out of the gate and, you know, we're, we're not a, a billion dollar company, as you know. So, you know, we got a long ways to go still. <laughs> well, it's just learning a new game, right? Yeah. Like there, there's just rules to this game of, of, of being a small business owner. And yeah. the faster you can learn those rules, whether through experience, through mentorship, through coaching, um, the, the more you're understand, you're going to understand what you're trying to accomplish and the faster you're going to get there. That's it, man. Well, listen, let's tell people how they can find you, connect with you. And I know you talked about the $500,000 and the million dollar clients, but um, I, I think you guys are open to people who are smaller uh, clients as well. So tell us a little bit about who you typically work with and how they can connect with you guys. Yeah. So um, Evolve Finance, E-V-O-L-V-E-D, Evolved finance.com is uh, where you can, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, I have a podcast there as well um, where I just do 15, 20 minute um, kind of lessons. It's like one giant course where I just talk for 15 to 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. about a lot of the stuff we're talking about here. We also have a workshop on there where uh, it's called know your numbers. Now we give away a free budget um, a for, a for your business and a free budget for your personal life as a, as an entrepreneur. Um, but otherwise, yeah, if you go to our website, you'll see, we work with only online businesses. Um, so if you're selling again, course, 
businesses, coaching, yeah. uh, membership sites, influencers, um, online service-based businesses. And if you're making a hundred thousand dollars or more a year and you're operating in us dollars, then we'll likely be a good, uh, a good fit to, to work together. Okay. And we'll have this information in show notes and stuff like that. Um, for you guys as you check it out. So Parker, thank you for your time. We definitely went a little over, so I appreciate you hanging in there. No, it's because we have too much fun talking to, uh, to each other. I love talking, man. There's so much to talk about. I can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, man. You and me both. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I will uh, catch up with you soon. Thank you for being here and uh, we'll, we'll talk later. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for tuning into the Change Creator podcast. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to get access to free downloads and other great resources that will drive your business forward.